Hello, Roy here. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to The Roy Green Show ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. What's going on in Germany currently with their uh, energy crisis? They're saying that in the wintertime, they're going to limit the heating of public buildings to 19 degrees Celsius. 19 degrees Celsius. Lots to talk about here. Dan McTagg joins us from Canadians for Affordable Energy. He's the president of the organization. How are you, Mr. McTagg? I'm fine, Roy, on this fine day. Thank you. Good to talk to you. As well, and I'm looking forward to this topic. I think it's uh, it's going to be very revealing to the extent that uh, Canadians uh, have uh, elected government and a parliament that's committed to ensuring that we can never help the world when it truly needs it, not to mention our own problems. So let's talk about what uh, Mr. Schultz and Mr. Trudeau are apparently going to be talking about, and that's a, and signing an agreement on, on Monday. That's a hydrogen uh, sale to uh, to Germany agreement 30 years, maybe 30 years from now, several decades from now. But they won't talk about LNG, liquid natural gas exports to, to, uh, to Germany, which is what the crisis is all about in Germany. How often does a German chancellor actually visit us? Never. I don't remember Angela Merkel coming to Canada. I'm sure it probably happened in terms of uh, G7 uh, commitments. But look, a hydrogen is going to be made with natural gas. <laughs> and you don't want to build a pipeline in Canada. In fact, you can't build a pipeline in Canada. So good luck with doing that. And when the federal government, after spiking all of the LNG, 16 to 17 projects, uh, bending over backwards for every foreign organization that's come in here and uh, used uh, you know, their uh, lawfare to try to prevent the building of LNG. You have a provincial government, Quebec, uh, the uh, the Go government, saying, hey, uh, there's no social uh, uh, license for this, even though they don't want to poll their own people who now say, yes, we do want pipelines. That aside, how are you going to get LNG to any port if you can't build a pipeline? Because LNG, both made with natural gas, yeah. and I'm not talking the stuff you pick up from the swamp, so there's a difference between the green and the blue, but 30 years from now, get real, get uh, you know, get a grip. There's no one who can make policy that far down the road. So this is more window dressing, but I can tell you with my contacts uh, that I have both in the energy sector and in the diplomatic sector. So you, older folks I used to work with years ago when I was responsible for Canadians abroad, uh, uh, and I had a position at uh, Foreign Affairs, are still saying, why did Canada fail to get natural gas to the rest of the world? Why are we so bloody dependent on Russia? And now, of course, this is an example of uh, where you take your green policy and you don't look before you leap. So why do you think Mr. Schultz is actually here and he's brought a power delegation with him? Well, I think it has a lot to do with maybe thanking Canada for reneging on its sanctions on Russia and uh, complying with uh, Germany's uh, folly in terms of having to get that turbine because, of course, Germany has foregone its own natural gas production, its own coal production, its own nuclear production. Uh, and, you know, quietly said we're going to rely under this energy wind uh, pro, uh, program or policy uh, saying, yeah, we can pretend we're green, but we're still going to be bringing in fossil fuels from Russia. Uh, and we're going to be bringing in natural gas, our oil, and uh, we might produce a little bit here and there, but we're going to be clean, but we're going to bring all the dirty stuff in from other parts of the world. It's hypocrisy, but I think it's here to basically thank Canada for uh, turning its back on Ukraine and, uh, and uh, you know, doing uh, Germany's business. Germany finds itself in a very un- awkward position where after trillions of dollars spent in energy, green energy, it now realizes that it, uh, it has created a political problem and an economic crisis on the scale that that country hasn't seen since 1945. Yeah, we are going to be speaking with the, as I mentioned earlier, the president of the Canadian-Ukrainian Congress, which along with the Ukrainian government is reminding this country, as we said at the beginning, 
that it has a responsibility, or at least asking that Canada retain its responsibility to the sanctions and not make these turbines available to Russia. If you give them to Germany, they're going to go exactly where we know they're going to go, and that is to uh, to Russia. And uh, if, if, if Putin gets them back, and we're talking about six, not just one, if he gets all six of them, then he still has the option to decide to turn off the spigot, not only to Germany, but all of Europe or most of Europe. And given the kind of thug he is, I wouldn't be surprised if he does exactly that when the weather turns cold. Well, he's going to do that. Uh, and that's why Germany's now having to import coal. Coal prices have gone to the roof. Energy tripled last year in Germany. It doubled in England. It's going to triple this year from that doubling and tripling of last year. So, uh, you know, uh, there's no doubt that uh, short-sightedness is really behind this. But uh, more than that, uh, the two factors come into play here. One, the sanctions uh, didn't work. The ruble is stronger. Uh, you know, Russia selling more oil. Uh, Canada still on the sidelines, navel-gazing, you know, ah, shucks, shoulda, coulda, woulda, but didn't. Because we were too busy, as I mentioned earlier, bending over backwards uh, for climate fanatics uh, and their willingness to shut off Canadian energy. Look, Russia's the number eight world uh, provable reserves. Uh, Canada is number three. Russia is number three in terms of exports. Canada is number eight or nine. It should have been inversed. And so, you know, it, it's not one of these things, Roy, where you can say, oh, we, we, we had a chance, but we didn't. We blew it. And hindsight is twenty twenty. No. Folks like me have been complaining for a long time that these woke green policies have a cost. And it's not just a cost borne on Canadians with a weak Canadian dollar that's adding to inflation. More than anything else, and the Bank of Canada governor had to admit this two weeks ago, three weeks ago, after raising interest rates 1%. He can't understand why the Canadian dollar has not responded to the therapy of higher interest rates, higher than the United States, by the way, and $100 oil, more or less. And uh, the simple answer is, well, this is what happens when you have nothing to attract uh, investments and in capital into Canada. Your dollar is weak. It uh, erodes our purchasing power. So it not only hurts Canadians economically, in which the response is going to be higher interest rates, we have not come to the world's rescue. And mm-hmm. for Christia Freeland and others to go around saying, well, this is what happens, and this is a world phenomenon, baloney. Canada has a significant role to play in terms of energy stability and energy supply. Well, we were going to be, 10 years ago, if you and I had this conversation, 10 years ago, the prediction was that Canada was going to be the energy supplier to much of the world. We had it, We, as you said, number three in natural gas uh, globally. So we were going to be providing the world what it required and doing so, the word ethical is brought up all the time, so let's say it. We said we were going to do it ethically and appropriately and dependably to our allies and our friends and not have to rely on the very person, the very crew that invaded Ukraine and is committing the atrocities that are being committed there to provide Europe with the oil and the gas, certainly the gas that it requires. And uh, Germany also, Dan, has had the option to use its nuclear plants, which it's decided not to do. I think they have one in operation now. They could uh, put more of them back online. They're also, uh, they've re-energized or reset their, their coal um, plants, so they're they're turning back to coal for energy. There have been announcements that public buildings in Germany are going to be kept to a maximum of 19 degrees Celsius uh, this winter, and they're turning off some traffic lights in Berlin. This is how serious it's become. 
in uh, as far as energy is concerned and, and gas is concerned. They don't have storage capability, or they have the capability, but they don't have the storage because they haven't been able to generate enough renewables in order to provide them with backstop for the for the winter time. This is going to be very very difficult, and uh, it has the potential, a very real potential, to spread way beyond Europe and affect all of us. Yes. Well, yes, of course. Uh, and, you know, what affects Germany affects Europe, affects the world. I, it's not just Germany, of course. Uh, Britain is in the same pickle. Um, industry is going to have to shut down. Well, Britain's not as in a bad position as Germany. No, but they uh, can also import a lot of biofuels. I cut down wood, get pellets, and use those as an alternative. But make no mistake, they're going to be facing the same increases in electricity rates just as the winter starts, the onset of winter. Yeah, sorry to interrupt you. Sorry to interrupt But as we're having this conversation, and each time I have this conversation, I have the same thought. None of this was necessary. None of this was necessary. Transition to renewables, do it in a manner that absolutely makes sense, and do it on a timetable that's going to work, and isn't going to cause a situation where there are entire nations facing the potential of a lack of energy. And we know that nations can turn against nations if you, if you hoard your own supplies for your own population, which is not unlikely. Then you have additional problems politically and otherwise developing. Well, you have more than political problems because it was a political decision that got us here. This yeah, wasn't based it was. On you're science, right. It wasn't you're based right. on engineering or yeah. fact, or fact. It's based on fantasy. Look, I'm not disparaging good intentions. But good intentions don't make for good public policy. And I know something about that. I spent 18 years uh, developing my own types of policies and working with governments that did. We need to be pragmatic and practical. We haven't been. We've allowed climate alarmism to take, uh, you know, to take uh, and seize what would otherwise be rational and important and progressive policies that allow us to get to the point where we can make those transitions. That's not happening because a couple of demagogues in Ottawa or around the world at conferences decide to sit back, swill canapes, uh, uh, well, Perry, any canapes telling us that uh, this has to be done in their timetable. It's not realistic, Roy. And I think people have to understand there is no way. No, I mean, Dan, net zero. all we have to look in is what's happening. That tells us that it's not realistic. It's and, uh, and, you know, the argument is that Russia invaded Ukraine and that's caused a problem. It certainly contributed yeah. to the issue. But it didn't, no. it's not the entire issue. But let me bring this home because we only have a few minutes left, you and I, on this segment. Uh, let me bring this home to this country I've talked to people who almost have become comfortable now, if not comfortable, accepting of the fact that they're spending, paying a buck seventy, a buck sixty, a buck seventy, a buck seventy-five for a liter of gasoline. And if you're going to be comfort- comfortable with that, then you're going to probably be comfortable with two dollars a liter, which takes us right back to where we were when people's budgets to uh, to feed themselves and to fuel their vehicles were overextended. And you know, buck seventy. The difference between a buck seventy and a buck eighty, a buck eighty-five, isn't that much. But a buck seventy, we should not we should not be comfortable a dollar sixty or a dollar seventy. No, and you hit on all the other ancillary, uh, all the other impacts. But are you comfortable with eight percent mortgage rates? I think it's a question that you have to ask the 905-416, Vancouver, uh, Saskatchewan, Winnipeg, uh, Eastern Canadians. Are you okay with going from 3 4% to 8 9%? Because this inflation, this energy inflation, has a lot to do with the food inflation, the overall cost of living, and the weakness in the Canadian dollar. All of these things are going to make it improbable for even upper middle class to survive, you know, without uh, any discomfort. So I think that's the, that's the question, uh, and it's, it's coming faster than we thought. You mentioned uh, Vladimir Putin earlier. 
Putin is just a symptom of the bigger problem. When we turned our back on energy, we turned our back on global stability. What's going to happen to the cost of gasoline, to diesel, natural gas, electricity, to keep Canada warm this winter? What do your projections tell you? Look for a doubling of natural gas and propane prices uh, because we've this time last year the benchmark was three bucks for an mmbtu that's the benchmark this year it's nine uh, the year before that it was one and a half two so look a doubling last year not quite maybe 40 50 percent look for 120 to 150 percent increase on the, that part of your natural gas bill in places like ontario regulated markets look for electricity prices to have to follow and diesel <laughs> home heating fuel in yeah. eastern parts of the united states and canada you ain't seen nothing yet gas prices will be uh will go up in september and october they will not fall uh and even if governments try to uh you know mitigate not that the federal government does um the provincial governments are trying their best it still won't be enough we're back to the reality of two dollars a liter permanently and it's going to go much higher the federal government wants not one but two carbon taxes which by 2025 will add another 15, 20 cents a litre to the price of gasoline and diesel and uh, all the other fuels we need as Europe is learning to uh, make our economy run. So does it matter now, Dan, given what we have, where we are, does it really matter who's in power? Would a, would, a, would a change, and I'm not suggesting that I'm not in favor of a change at the top in the federal government, I think everybody knows I am, but would it really make a significant difference as far as who's in power, who's regulating, who's running the, the country from the PMO? Could they make a significant change that it would be favorable to the consumer? Yes, toss the fantasies of net zero by 2030. It can't be achieved. It can't be achieved financially, practically, and in a cold country like Canada. Unless, of course, what's going to happen to Europe is something you really envy. But I think that's the stuff of magic and make-believe and fanaticism. And it has no place in public policy. You know, I, uh, I spoke with Scott Moe, the Premier of Saskatchewan, uh, a couple of weeks ago. And we talked about the energy situation. And, uh, and uh, the Premier said, and I hope I'm paraphrasing him correctly. I think I am. I'm quite sure I am. He said, as far as the province is concerned, it will not bow to a caretaker government, and it will uh, uphold and enact its constitutional rights to govern its management of, uh, of uh, energy. And, uh, and I expect the premier is going to, is going to do that. The, yeah, we are in a situation now, most Canadians think realize, we're in a situation like, now like we haven't encountered before. And we don't know, we don't know where we're going. And Europe is sometimes, and it's a terrible uh, analogy, I suppose, but it's the canary in the coal mine. Yep. And look, we're double, we're, we're, we're ignoring that. We're double downing on all these bad green policies that have hurt. Okay. And so, you know, this, it, it's in front of us. Do not go this route. Our, our European economies right. are dying. If Canada wants to emulate that, good luck. It isn't just a political decision. It's about the survivability okay. of North America and our, our, our society as a whole. If you want to hear more, subscribe to The Roy Green Show on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you find your favorites. And if you like what you hear, leave us a review and tell a friend. I'm Roy Green. Have a great weekend.